0: Come on, come listening to the coffee hour i'm andy bates sarah's away today she'll be back with us soon enjoying some well-deserved time off it is mental health monday and uh, we have a very helpful and insightful story to share with you today looking forward to sharing that uh, very personal story in just a moment thanks to concordia university wisconsin for supporting the coffee hour find out more about concordia university wisconsin at cuw.edu live uncommon my guest today, the Reverend Jeff Flug. He's pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Madison, Indiana. Pastor Flug, welcome back to The Coffee Hour. It's good to have some time with you today.
1: Oh, thank you for having me, Andy.
0: Well, I, I, I'm so grateful for your willingness to share your story and your, your family's story and your congregation story as well uh, about um, your life and your experience with a mental health um, mental health and and mental health challenges as well. So, before we get into your family story about mental health challenges, before you had any experience with that, what did you understand about mental health and and mental illness? Uh,
1: thank you for asking that question because that's a hard question for me because I had a lot of, for lack of a better word, I'd say prejudice or I, we use the word stigma. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really had very little appreciation for what's involved with uh, uh, mental illnesses, especially severe mental illnesses. Uh, my aunt had schizophrenia and uh, it was, uh, it just wasn't well accepted. This is like in the 60s, 1960s. And uh, so that that had a lot to shape me. It just, there was uh, some issues there. She would go away in the hospital at times and come back. But I really never... Never knew my aunt until she got older. Uh, then it seemed like a lot of her symptoms subsided, but you know, when I'm a kid growing up, uh, she just wasn't ever quite right. Uh, so then I go to off to pharmacy school, and lo and behold, I, I learn quite a bit. I have to take psychology classes, and then I have to learn about. Uh, the medications and I, I'm a skeptic at best is how I would put it I guess and I remember going up to my professor and just saying, some of this stuff I just couldn't buy and um, and at the time I think maybe I was uh, on to something a little bit because everything back in those days psychoanalysis was was still pretty much leading the thought. And uh, in fact, the psychoanalysis uh, and, and, the, uh, and then the more medication based treatments, uh, there was a little bit of a struggle in those days, uh, as I've learned since then. But I just didn't, you know, all the theories going on, and, and I was just really looking at things as that these are maybe, you know, character flaws, weaknesses in an individual. And, uh, and then one day it struck my family and it struck us hard, and I began to change.
0: Hmm. So w- one of the misunderstandings you had about mental illness was that uh, the, the, they're simply just character flaws. Um, do you think that those, uh, that particular stigma still persists today?
1: It's a lot better today, but in a sense, if, if it hasn't really hit your family, um, you're not going to have the deep appreciation for what's going on. There are individuals over the years that I've met that didn't have any of it in the family, and they've been very, very helpful. Um, but it's still there. But if you, I host uh, support groups for NAMI and uh, National Alliance for Mental Illness and education classes, and and pretty much the consensus for family members is things are better today overall, but there's a long way to go. Hmm.
0: Would you say there were particular cultural or social influences that, that impacted your views on mental health, whether good or bad?
1: Well, it, it's, it's just mainly, um, I would say, uh, oh, kind of a Protestant work ethic type of upbringing that I had. Um, I was not brought up Lutheran. And, uh, and so it's, it's, you know, you work hard thing, you know, just, just work hard and uh, you can overcome your problems and so i would say for in in the mental illness thing it was just you know get adequate rest and and you know take care of yourself and and work it out and things are going to get better uh that's the best way i can kind of answer you know i can't say anything specifically cultural Mm -hmm. um but uh it's just that, that's how we approached it. In fact, in my wife's case early on, was just let's get her some rest, and with time, things will get better. But we found out that wasn't the case.
0: So, when did you begin to realize or your need for care for you or for your family's mental health?
1: Well, it was a, a very traumatic event, and, and that's pretty common, I think, with severe mental illnesses. So in my wife's case, uh, we had, she had just given birth to our second child and he was six months old and our, our, uh, oldest child was 19 months and she got very, very sick. And my wife was a, was a registered nurse. And so she cared for her day and night. And for two weeks, it was really just, she was critically ill, our daughter. And, uh, eventually she had open heart surgery and they removed a tumor from the back of her heart and my daughter's fine in fact she's a pharmacist now out in phoenix but what happened to my wife was another matter and uh, so it took me two years to we were trying to do everything possible and at this point I, i'm i'm lutheran and i've got wonderful pastor support and we even went to the seminary to, to dr martin hansky when he was still there at the seminary back in the early 80s and uh went to various uh doctors psychiatrists whatever and uh but i i always had this uh, uh, i just had to stay away from the what we call neuroleptic drugs or more or mood altering drugs uh, uh, drugs like Stelazine and Thorazine and Haldol. I, I'd learned enough in pharmacy school that the side effects just scared me to death. I didn't want my wife taking that. And so we just kept at it for for two years, and she just kept losing weight. And, and she was in a constant state of psychosis and paranoia, literally, for two years. And uh, it just, uh, it was, it, those were pretty hard days. And Uh, Thankfully, we had a good pastor and um, he was very supportive and and going to church, things like that. My wife is a very strong Christian woman. Those things helped, but we just, we we had to reach a point of desperation. Me in particular, I was, I was the issue. My my wife, she was simply suffering. Hmm. And uh, so one day I just out of complete desperation, we went into a local mental health clinic and uh, it was there that the Lord taught me about mental illness. <laughs> hmm.
0: You mentioned two years of just uh, an intense struggle and uh, so much suffering on your wife's part during those two years. What, what did a, a typical day or a week look like during that struggle?
1: Well, if we would go for a drive, um, Monica was— she, she just thought the power; everything was centered around her with the paranoia and the psychosis. So she thought that uh, there were recordings and and uh, people were listening, in, whether we were in the house or not in the house. And uh, that was just a you know, that's, I'm going back forty years, okay, and and uh, I've <laughs> it, it's uh, it was just a constant stress on her and uh the the good thing bad thing sort of that was going on day to day was she had to care for the kids and that kept her going she knew she had to take care of the kids she was able to do that all the while not trusting people and thinking that uh, she was being watched and she didn't know why
0: Hmm. and 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 really struggling with that for for two years I, for, I can't imagine yeah
1: yeah, no it was it was two years. Uh, she got down she was almost a hundred pounds and uh, she's five foot six. so I mean if, if we've got pictures and you can you can see the stress back back in those days and so it was uh, and then we were always secretive about it. Um, it's just because of the stigma back then. Is I would I only confided in my pastor, um, and Dr. Hanchke and and the medical folks, and we shielded so that I think where we lived at the time, people knew something probably wasn't quite right, but they just Monica was very quiet, and and uh, I, I was just uh, you know I, there was shame, and I I'm ashamed to say there was shame, <laughs> okay, and. Uh, and then understanding within the family, it, it varied, uh, and uh, it's take you know, we're at a much different place now, entirely different than we were back in those days.
0: Hmm. You mentioned several people along the way that you talked to. Um, what was helpful as you were talking with others, whether professionals or, or, or laypersons as well, what was helpful in those conversations?
1: Well, first to have understanding and so like when we would see Dr. Hansky, and we went to the seminary went into his office he was just uh he he taught her relaxation techniques things like that and then he was kind of the first one that was saying that there might, you know, you, we better be looking at some medications and uh uh but then we would go to other uh, psychiatrists and and they would uh, put her on they kind of missed the diagnosis they were putting on putting her on antidepressants and and that didn't do anything or it's just something to help her sleep that didn't help at all and so really the most helpful was of all people um an avowed atheist brilliant psychiatrist who kind of sat me down and read me the riot act as to what was going on and uh I love that man with all my heart, because he said that if we don't treat her with what was an antipsychotic, and it was the one I feared more than any other drug, which was Haldol. She said, the, the doctor, uh, he was a man, he said uh, that you know, you're risking losing Monica's mind for the rest of her life. And at that point, nothing had worked. So he put her on Haldol. And I kid you not, after two years of this, within two weeks, her psychosis was gone. And that changed me for the rest of my life. Hmm. Well, that's, oh. that's what was helpful was it was mm-hmm. a, I, I've come to learn that now I'm not saying all, you know, that's, I, I make a distinction between mental illness and mental health that it's, uh, and certainly severe mental illnesses, that these are really biological brain disorders that that uh have to be diagnosed properly and that's no easy task and then the medication regimen that that they'll use can vary and sometimes it's sort of uh trial and error to say the least sarcastically we used to say it's like russian roulette okay let's try this one in my wife's case the first one worked and uh and it's really was the only one that worked because they over the years they tried other medicines and uh uh, but Haldol was the best, but it had the worst side effects. So there's a struggle between c- the clearing of the mind and then having to deal with the side effects of medication. This is what folks that have these illnesses and their families have to really struggle with. And uh, so I don't know if I answered your question, but that's mm-hmm. where I went.
0: <laughs> sure, sure. And then, and and, and I appreciate the. Um, the clarity that, that not everyone's situation, uh, you know, each person's situation is unique. And so, uh, because that medication worked well for your wife, doesn't necessarily mean that it works for everyone who has uh, similar symptoms or a similar situation. So, exactly. thanks for, for yeah. clarifying that. I appreciate that. Uh, we have more to share of Pastor Fluke's story in just a moment uh, for this Mental Health Monday. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. welcome back to the coffee hour i'm Eddie bates sarah gulseth is away on vacation uh she'll be back with us soon today it is mental health monday we're talking with uh, reverend jeff flug he's pastor of faith lutheran church in madison indiana sharing with us his personal story and experience um with the mental health challenge in his own family and uh what were the the struggles and the challenges that that uh, as a family, you faced, uh, and so it, in your story, you were sharing how you were able to finally find um, support and and the resources needed. The the um, it sounds like the diagnosis and medication that was uh, providing some some relief for your wife, and and then also for you and for your family as well. What take us then from there after you were able to find the medication that, that was uh, helpful in relieving the the symptoms for your wife. Where did it go from there in terms of being able to talk about your wife's mental illness?
1: Well, uh, back to Dr. Kemper, the psychiatrist. Um, he he was great and uh, he knew my wife was a nurse and, and Monica wasn't working anyway because we had a young family. But she had always wanted to go back to nursing. Well, if you, if, if you have a, a mental illness back in those days and you happen to be a nurse, what are you going to do? And uh, I always remember Dr. Kemper. He says, well, if we happen to pass each other in the hallway, we'll just smile and we'll nod it at one another. And uh, so I'm, I'm giving you that story to sh- say that it was still uh, quite secretive. And it, that persisted. I went to the seminary, and uh, uh, there were, Monica had a relapse uh, right after I got there. And I, um, I can't think of the doctor's name that was the sem physician. Oh, Dr. Fred Mortensen. He was wonderful. And it just so happened that his mother had schizophrenia. And uh, so uh, I connected with him, but it was something that we just had to keep hush-hush. And so through the whole seminary education, I didn't talk to anyone, but it was, and then I came, I went on Vicarage, Uh, Vicarage was wonderful, came back, everything was fine, came to my my parish here in Madison in 93, and what happens the day after my ordination and installation is Monica has a relapse. And it's, I, I, it's like, oh, my. And uh, we kept it secret. And eventually I worked with uh, a couple church leaders and, and let them know because you just can only be so secretive. And eventually what happened was I broke down in the pulpit. And uh, and that's how the congregation learned of everything. And then things kind of made sense. And this was maybe, oh, three, four years into my ministry. Hmm. And it just so happens that where I'm at, we also have a, a state hospital here. And we used to, uh, the congregation before I came, would have uh, patients. They, there were a couple Lutheran men over there and, and they would bring them to church and things like that. So there was always this heart for, for folks. And then also we did Christmas parties over there, which we do to this day. And uh, so I, that's how it got out. And it, once that got out, you know after about 14 years of secrecy it was like this burden is just completely lifted and uh and now it's hard for me to be quiet <laughs> about it um and so we got active in the community and uh and we took nami training my wife and i and 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 since then, it's, it's grown, and we've touched lots of families here in Madison that have undergone similar circumstances or similar illnesses, different circumstances, and we continue to this day.
0: Speaking from your own experience, what can make it helpful to, uh, what can help, um, I guess, opening up those doors to actually talking about uh, mental health challenges or, or mental illness?
1: Well, education is, uh, is just so key. And uh, and so for the family members, they, they really, uh, there's a family to family education class is just absolutely wonderful. And then not everybody's built for support group kind of things. And, and that's fine, but they, they actually have education classes, both for the person who's ill and for the, and for the family members. And there's, it's a, it's 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 there's a different dynamic at work and and uh but education is critical and but that's only for people that have a a mental illness or a, a loved one who has a mental illness um there is mental health and i'm sure you've probably had it on on your program but mental health first aid is a sort of a a crash course and it's, it's by a different organization. It's actually called Mental Health First Aid, but that's like an eight-hour training session, and we've gone to those. And there, you'll have police, jailers, social workers—you know, all kinds of folks taking that. And I would encourage, you know, if there's certain people in congregations and so forth that uh, you know feel a need to to learn more, go go to those classes. You're going to learn a whole lot. And because with education, all of it it takes some of the mystery out as to, you know, why people, Mm -hmm. you know, behave the way they do on these things.
0: I recently just recertified my mental health first aid Uh certification. So Um, I just did that about uh, about
1: a month ago. Good for you.
0: And uh, for our listeners in Missouri, the Missouri Department of Mental Health is. I believe still offering the courses for free, They're virtual courses. And, uh, it's, uh, it's available for free here in Missouri. Missouri is one of the few States, one of the first States to uh, adopt the program and make it available. So how then do you, how do you care for your own mental health when also dealing with uh, a mental illness in your family?
1: the, the key thing for us, and this goes for my wife too, is, is if I just return for a second back to her treatment and she, the psychosis went away, but then some depression, other things settled in partly related to the meds. The thing that got her over the top, so to speak, was she started walking on the treadmill and exercising. And so I, we're just, uh, to keep yourself active and, uh, uh, you ha- you have to take care of yourself. Uh, for if you're a family member, if you want to give your, fam- your your loved one help, you got to take care of yourself. Which means you've got to draw boundaries around things. That uh, I mean, it's just such a complex problem. If it's a child or if it's your spouse, you know, whoever is ill, and it, it can just consume you, and you really get to feel as the as the saying goes, you're, you you're you're all alone. Well, you're not all alone. And so you need to uh, get, get some exercise in and then seek out these groups that, uh, like NAMI in particular, that's the one that, at least that we've really been very active with. And you're going to find other people with similar situations. And immediately there's a, an understanding. I'd call it a camaraderie. After the first class, there's no such thing as a stranger because people, you, you've found people that really understand what you're going through. And again, I'm, I'm dealing in the severe, you know, the schizophrenia, bipolar illnesses, those kind of things, mm-hmm. uh, you know, major depression. Um, but it's, it's, uh, and, and what you'll find with your loved one, especially, um, one of my sons, you know, a real need is to, can you, to be a friend? Um, their, their isolation is just a constant problem and the medications they take that can uh it's not a panacea but it but it, if it keeps their head from their head clear so that they're not paranoid but at the same time there's there's uh, fatigue and and sleeping and all of that and and it's just a problem um and so it's uh, to me just some of the basic things is uh, rest exercise and friendships friendships that's that's my plea and call for uh, fellow saints in the congregations is be a friend, give them a call, (laughs) you know, talk with them. Um, That's what they need.
0: That was my next question. What can we do to care for each other?
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh, well, depending on each congregation, but I would incur, I try to work it into my sermons, not all the time, because that's i don't i just don't think that that's good but um but certainly i can't avoid the issue and what i love to use is is the is the ministry of our lord is is that as he's going around healing people he's healing people in their body but he's also healing them in their minds and in their spirit and and there's so many bible passages that jesus simply doesn't make any distinctions at all amongst the illnesses and uh it's just to me just as clear as can be that we make distinctions but the lord doesn't and so to have the people here that have bible studies on these things um and certainly if nothing else then include a petition on sunday morning for those who are mentally ill and i'd add to those who are addicted as well um Hmm. and and just a, a constant diet of that and uh and then if somebody has to go into the hospital, you know, if somebody could be aware and do follow up, it's, uh, you know, if somebody has surgery, we're all eager to, to help out after they come home. But, you know, mental illness treated a little bit differently. So just to be aware and, and, uh, and, and the key word for me is friendship, develop friendships with folks that are struggling.
0: Hmm. Very helpful, very insightful. Pastor Flug, uh, I appreciate you sharing your your personal story and your experience with uh, mental health and and mental illness as well. Thanks so much for being my guest on The Coffee Hour today. Thanks for having me,
1: Andy. I really appreciate it.
0: You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.